to the Gibson Girl Review, the book review podcast that rescues antique novels from the doom of mere decor and puts them back where they rightfully belong, in your to-be-read pile. Join us every week as we rediscover forgotten stories from the Gilded Age and Progressive Era and uncover just how entertaining and relevant they still are more than a century later. to the first five pages challenge, a new project of the Gibson Girl Review. These new episodes will fall in between our regular review episodes, and this will be your chance to help us decide which books to review on the show. So, what is it all about? Well, in the modern publishing industry, agents and editors are so inundated with submissions that they read little more than the first five pages before deciding whether or not they're interested in a manuscript. If they are, they keep reading. If they aren't, it goes in the reject pile. Along the same lines, we here at the Gibson Girl Review have thousands of books to choose from for our book reviews, and we need a way to narrow that down. So we thought, let's apply the first five pages rule to our antique novels, and let's let you, our listeners, be the judge. So here's how this works. In each first five pages episode, we will give you the title, author, and a brief description from a historical advertisement of a Gilded Age or Progressive Era novel that we are considering for the podcast. And then one of our readers will share the first five pages of that book. At the end of the episode, simply click on the Vote Now link in our show notes to vote whether we should read or reject the book. And here's where the challenge part comes in, because whichever book has the most yes votes at the end of this season will be declared the winner and will be featured on the show next season. So without further ado, today's entry into the first five pages challenge is Was She Engaged? by J.L. Collins under the pseudonym Jeanquille, first published in 1871. This novel is advertised as an attractive love story full of charming complications and entertaining dialogue. This final entry into our Season 2 First Five Pages Challenge is read for us by Hugh Weller-Pooley, one of our new Gibson Men readers. You will remember Hugh from Episode 3 when he read for us from Quo Vadis. So let's tune in to his new reading today and see what we think of Was She Engaged? I was moodily looking on two concise notes, written by the same fair hand, when two lines from Meg Mirrily's incantation entered my mind, and twisting the scented notes together, I lit them with a match, and threw them into the grate, humming fiercely. Twisty, twiny, even so, mingled shades of joy and woe. One of them was a written acceptance of me, for better or for worse, and the other dismissed me forever, as worse only. The writer and myself had become so accustomed to each other's sallies, bantering and repartee during the early part of our acquaintance, we were hopeless of understanding each other's real feelings by word or look, 
and were therefore compelled to pen any words of serious import in order to make them worthy of the attention due to truth. Though when face to face we would say more in a day than we would stand to in a month, yet when anything was set down in black and white, each one knew the other would abide by it at any risk or expense. Therefore, when I was determined to end an uncertainty that made Sarah Carroll sometimes my beloved and sometimes another's, I wrote to that effect, or else she would not have believed that we must have a formal betrothal within two days or see each other no more. And when she desired me to understand that our love life was at an end, she wrote my sentence, fearing I would not have taken it from her lips. As friends we would have endured for life and blessed each other with our sympathy, but in love we failed each other, and when we found that we could not be all that we should be in our new characters, it was too late to be contented with a weaker bond. Having seen the blue and white flame of the notes curl and twine to my satisfaction, I took up another, and read it over and over to drift my thoughts from the troubles it was the innocent cause of, to those it contained in itself. It was a metaphysical application of the homeopathic theory, checking sorrow by sorrow, for the letter was written by my sister, informing me of the death of the heroine of my school days and inviting me, in her mother's name, to be present at the funeral. It had arrived too late to enable me to attend, as I received it the day the funeral took place, but as the next best thing I could do to show my respect for her memory, I postponed going to a concert with Sarah that same evening. I sat at home, thinking of my boyhood's first love, and all the childish dreams and petty cares which attended it, and moralising on the uncertainty of life and vanity of earthly schemes, while I sent a note to Sarah, saying that I could not, without violence to my own feelings and disrespect to the living and the dead, be present at an evening's entertainment the day a true and tried young friend was being laid into her silent grave. As the concert was to be repeated, I proposed extending the engagement to the next one, but that, as I expected, did not meet the case. She had never heard me speak of a female acquaintance, and was unreasonably jealous when she heard I had one whose death would grieve me, and therefore she replied, excusing my escort altogether. Though the term true and tried young friend was rather strained, as I do not suppose the deceased thought six times of me in as many years, and she had never been tried at school without being found wanting, yet I looked upon myself as a martyr to friendship when I read Sarah's cold letter, and prepared my mind for any consequences that would follow with a morbid feeling of indifference. Next day I called in person to make an apology, and notwithstanding the smiles of welcome that greeted me, I could see by the red spots on either cheek that I had fully aroused her resentment. As soon as I was seated, I began by saying, I am very sorry that I disappointed you, Sarah, but you must come to the next one, which will doubtless be just as good. Oh, I beg of you to forget it. I was not at all disappointed. But before I make another engagement with you, I would like to be informed how many true and tried young friends you have whose death might interfere with it, she said, with a meek smile that was always used to mask the ugliness of her temper. Several. Every friend I have, Sarah. I love them all too well to hear their requiem in a concert hall, I exclaimed, hurt at hearing what I considered to be a slur on the innocent girl who had just been buried and also at hearing my own words, which I knew were affected, quoted back to me with so much sarcasm. Then I will not risk another, lest an epidemic should break out among them, she said with the same provoking, hard smile. I must not pretend that I was a submissive lover, 
or that I would overlook or smile at anything while courting which I would resent when married, and my looks did not help to restore peace. I did not speak until I could command my voice as easily as she did, and then I said, I'd better go now, and call again when we both feel more amiable, for if we suffer this cold-blooded warfare to proceed much further, there will be an end to our friendship. Oh no, nothing can prevent you and I from being friends, Mr. Pearson, and the very best of friends, but if you have other engagements, do not let me detain you, sir, she replied, with a polished evenness of modulation that was irritating when the meaning of her words was so hostile, and emphasising friends and Mr. Pearson to convey to my mind the thought that we could never be more than friends to each other. Amen with all my heart. Let us be friends, or anything else that will end this bickering life we have lived, Sarah. I said, bowing myself out and vainly endeavouring to return the calm, assuring smile that followed me to the door. Next day a polite letter was handed to me, which ended with a hope that we would ever be friends, and remember the pleasant hours we had spent in each other's society to the end of our lives, however far apart destiny should diverge our paths. Such was the end of our love life, about one year from the time it had begun, and I could hardly realise, as the flame died away and left only the black remains of the two notes, covered with slate-coloured hieroglyphs, that so many promises and hopes as were twined in that life lay there, twisting and twining in the ashes, as if my line from Meg Merrilies had bewitched them. That concludes the first five pages of Was She Engaged? by J.L. Collins, and it's time for you to decide. Should we keep reading this book or reject it? Head to GibsonGirlReview.com today to vote on this entry. And while you're there, be sure to enter our Dana's Birthday Giveaway for your chance to win a free antique edition of last week's rave review, The Prisoner of Zenda. But don't delay, the first five pages challenge and the giveaway will both end on September 30th. So vote and enter today at GibsonGirlReview.com. We will be back next week with an all-new old book review. So until then, you know what to do. Keep reading like a Gibson girl. Thank you for listening to the Gibson Girl Review, a Curious Antiquarian production. For complete show notes, transcripts, download links, and more, please visit us at gibsongirlreview.com. 